Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marvin, a certified financial planner and investment advisor with over 20 years' experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey local provider. also have an MBA in finance, and I've been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And I'm Gordon Leppard, financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. Good to be here today, guys. Yeah. Great day. Great day, isn't it? Always is here when we're doing our radio show. Well, Saturdays. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly radio show. We're right here every Saturday, like today, from 9 to 10 a.m., can also, you can go to our website moneymd.net. Um, you know, we have a lot of a lot of folks that listen to our podcast now, which is a great addition. Uh, you know, uh, about a year ago we added that on there, and so you, yep. if you're if you miss Saturday morning, you can go back and listen to, to prior shows. We have it actually categorized as well. That Definitely you can look been a different. great addition there. Yeah, it has been for sure. Yeah, you can pick those up off iTunes as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, that's and, right. And uh, you can uh, uh, stream our show every Saturday morning right off our website, moneymd.net. And we'd love to hear your questions. So email us if you have questions. You can link to us right there on the website or email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, guys, um, you know, I think, again, we have an, an awesome show here. We've got some interesting things. The 10 ways loans to your family and friends go bad. Mm-hmm. They almost always do. Yeah, it doesn't turn out well. It doesn't turn out well, but we have some interesting examples of why they don't turn out well, and even some comments from readers of this article. We took this from um, out of uh, Market well Market Watch, mm-hmm. I think is the name of the... Anyway, I mean, it's it's a great... Great topic. You'll want to listen in for this. Yeah, we're going to follow up with uh, another article. Guys, we're going to go a, a little little negative. Uh, we're pretty optimistic uh, individuals, and uh, we like to look at things from a positive standpoint with some reality dosed in there, obviously. But a uh, pretty interesting article out of CNN about uh, you know Dave Letterman uh, retirement and his top ten. Well, we have a top ten list for the economy, and it's not a real positive article. So we're going to kind of take a look at that and dive into uh, why you should like turn this noise off completely. So we'll dive into that in a second section. A little, little different spin there. That'll different be good. Spin, That's no right. Um, then we're going to be taking a look at the Supreme Court and your 401k. What are some uh, things that are being tossed around right now and uh, looked at as far as some potential legislation there um, and law rulings. So, yeah, interesting ruling that just came down. That that's going to be a great topic. So, uh, look forward to that. But we're going to start off here though with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, it seems like we do a financial fact about Social Security about once a once a month or something because it's it's in the news a lot. And um, this isn't um, dramatic or anything like that, but it, it is interesting. The uh, the Social Security payroll tax. Uh, which is uh, taxed on about 118,000 roughly of your income is 6.2 percent, 
and it's been that level since 1990. It's pretty amazing. Um, it, it did have a 2% reduction um, for two years in 2011 and 2012, and this is according to the Social Security system. But there's also an employer uh, piece of that as well. So yep. the employee pays 6.2%, and then the employer has to um, has to match that and put another 6.2% in there. But I don't know about you guys, but I've been reading articles uh, pretty frequently about uh, changes that are coming to Social Security. They're gonna they're gonna make changes. No My doubt. guess is in the next five to ten years they're gonna be forced to make changes. Um, they're just kicking the can. They have down to. The road. They yeah. have to. There's no no way to yeah. extend this and, issue the same way it is now. And I think I can project where those changes are gonna come. Oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. They're gonna raise the wage base. The three they're, of us could could figure it out in probably an hour over lunch. <laughs> exactly. It's I not mean that, that difficult. That would but be too I mean, simple. Though. Oh, you know, they're it? gonna lift the wage base cap. You know, I mean, right now the wage base is what a hundred and ten thousand or something like that. Eighteen roughly. Hundred eighteen thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They index it every year. Yeah. And uh, you know that's gonna go up, guys. I mean, just like Medicare, they lifted the wage cap on that long time ago yeah. you know and it goes all the way up the, the chain now you pay that that 2.9 percent basically all the way up and of course the obamacare you know increase the tax on that if you make over two hundred fifty thousand, i think it is mm-hmm. there's an extra 0.9 percent yep, for right. medicare well you know it there's going to be more of the same they're going to raise the wage base on social security so you just need to think about that down the road you're probably going to be paying social security a lot more of your income if you're a high income earner. Yeah. Um, it's so coming. be prepared for that. Yes. Yeah. Interesting fact of the week, though. All right. And that leads up to our first topic here, and that is the 10 ways loans to family and friends go bad. Um, you know, this is an article out of moneycrashers.com. Casey Slide, I think, was the author. And, uh, you know, this is a great topic because <clears throat> we run into this all the time. And I have seen clients absolutely wreck their financial future because they made a big loan to mm-hmm. a family or friend, and all of a sudden it becomes this awkward thing where the money doesn't get repaid. You know, like oh wow, that's a big surprise. Yeah, and, it, and it's not just the the numbers that are involved there; it's also the relationship. Exactly, and I know we'll talk about that. We'll we'll, we'll um, but you know, if they can't get a loan in a bank. There's a good reason for it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's if they're coming to you, there's a real good reason for it, folks. And uh, you don't want to be you don't want to be the banker for somebody that has bad credit. And that's usually what the situation is, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, here's a quote: "Neither a bar nor a lender be." These are famous words that came from Polonius, who was Shakespeare's chief counselor <laughs> to the King Claudius in Hamlet. In the play Hamlet, um, yeah, as Polonius gives some some fatherly advice to his sons, Shakespeare gives us some timely advice to us, and he says, "Don't lend money to friends." That's the bottom line here. <laughs> or family, our family, <laughs> exactly. Even more so to family. Yeah, I mean, why shouldn't you lend money to your friends and family? Well, <clears throat> you know, Polonius answers that in his next line. He says, "For loans oft loses both itself and friends." So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what he was saying here was a loan to a family or friend member often results in the loss of both the money and the relationship. Yeah. So you don't want to be in that situation. I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. The fact is loans between family members and friends, they can result in an entirely unexpected set of problems. Uh, you know, a gift is a much better solution if you can afford it. 
Um, so, you know, and it avoids all these problems altogether. So if you can, just give them the money. Um, but if that's not a viable option, then help them figure out another way to get the money, like maybe selling a car or some other asset. Um, you know, maybe they can work a part-time job. Regardless of the solution, I mean, we have 10 reasons here for avoiding loaning money to family and friends. Yeah, and you, if you listen to Dave Ramsey talk about this, you know, he talks about when you have loans, particularly in family members, that when you sit down for Thanksgiving dinner, the turkey just doesn't taste the same. <laughs> There's it. a little level of stress, and uh, yep. the borrower is a slave to the lender. And so he's right. I mean, um, I see it in relationships when we sit down with folks. It is, It can be strained. It really can. Well, we got 10 ways it's strained right here. And so we're going to jump right into this. Yeah, the first one is... You know, these loans to family and friends, they're open-ended loans. Um, They tend to be open-ended. I mean, parties, they don't typically reach an agreement for a timeline to repay those loans. It doesn't include interest on the loans. Um, You know, if you're loaning money to family and friends, uh, you don't know when the money's going to return. And your friend or family doesn't know when they even need to repay the loan. There's not typically a formal agreement that's drawn up. So that leaves both parties in limbo. And there's no set uh, there's no set of expectations there that are drawn up. So that uncertainty leads to stress as the borrower, you know, worries about when their friend or family is going to repay the loan, and and you know that person that borrowed it worries about when or when they should repay the loan. Sure, sure. It's just not a good situation to be in. Yeah, which leads to the second one here. When when loans are not a priority, um, you know, there's not going to be an urgency to to repay it, and without a deadline. You know, repaying this loan becomes the borrower's last priority. It becomes last on the list. And typically, I mean, the borrower won't face any repercussions for not repaying the loan, like late payments or high interest fees or negative impact on credit score. So without those threat of penalties, I mean, the borrower really has no motivation other than, you know, family pressure than to, to take this loan seriously or put any urgency about, uh, you know, around repaying it. So it, it falls to the bottom. Yeah, it's always the last priority. I promise you. I've seen this time and time again Mm -hmm. yeah and and another one here is it's difficult to ask for the money back i mean can we say awkward (laughs) you know hey can i have that 10 grand back yeah anytime you know you got that extra five thousand dollars in your pocket here that i can get my money back here it's time for me to buy a new car you know uh guys you just don't want to be in that situation i mean it's difficult to ask for the money back from a family or friend um, you know, if it's a third party, somebody you don't know, you could you could be firm and ask for money back, but it's not going to happen to a family or friend. So, yeah, and John, like you alluded to earlier, you know about the Thanksgiving mm-hmm, dinner or mm-hmm. you know whatever holiday you're talking about, uh, it definitely makes things awkward. Now, no matter which side of the coin you're on, whether you're the lender or the borrower, mm-hmm, yeah. you know people are going to have uh, just a. Uh, an awkwardness about them when they get together if there's money involved, whether, you know, they're talking about the timeline of how quickly they're going to pay it back, if they're going to be able to pay it back. Uh, so, you know, that there's definitely an awkwardness during family gatherings or any kind of, kind of get-togethers there. So Yeah, and as a result, it tends to shut down communications. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden, they're not talking to one another, um, you know, because they just don't want to, they don't want that subject to come up. So they start avoiding you. So it's it's not a good situation to be in. So that that's a big one as well. Okay, we'll continue these when we come back from the break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or you can give us a call during regular business hours at 706 739 
888-825-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about 10 ways loans to family and friends go bad. Mm-hmm. Real bad. It's probably more than 10. <laughs> is there's Yeah, I mean, Doug was mentioned this morning when I called in, it's like, you know, it was uh, yeah. uh, probably 50 ways. Yeah, but, right, uh, right. And it does not turn out well. It does not Typically. turn out well. You know, you, you really have to be careful here. Um, I mean, we have just 10 ways here. And, you know, we just talked about it. I mean, the loans are open-ended. Um, they're not a priority. You're, you're the last person that gets repaid. You know, if they were if they were good credit risk, they would have gotten a loan from a bank, mm-hmm. right? So you're you're taking on a loan for somebody that doesn't qualify most likely to get a loan in the bank. It's just not a smart plan. Yeah. And you know, to make matters worse, there's the awkwardness in the family. I mean, they're a family or the friend, right? So you're you're jeopardizing a relationship. Family gathering gatherings are not going to be fun. The, the the Bible says the the bar is slave to the lender. And yes, so when, they do, when and that's, that's your. That's you know, our family point. member, yeah. And that's our next point here. Okay, well, I'm just setting you up here. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, the book of Proverbs, in the Bible, it claims the borrower becomes the servant to the lender, Proverbs 22, 7. And that's exactly how you feel whenever you borrow money from a family member. You know, you feel like you you owe them something. You feel like you, you, you have to do everything you can to please that person. Um, you know, you're their servant, so to speak. So you don't want to be in that situation. You know, then the next one here on the list is the borrower may ask for... For more, may, I mean, yeah, may I mean, or will most likely will, no doubt. Yeah, it's a bad situation, but I mean, once you've kind of lent money to a family or friend, um, you know that person they're going to come back to the well eventually. They're going to need more money. It's not over yet. Whatever condition put them in that situation, it's going to get worse, and and they're going to need more money. And who are they going to go to other than you to ask for another loan? Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be the go-to person in your circle of family and friends for loans. You never want to be in that constant state of lending. Yeah, and then that kind of leads right into, um, you know, when you do lend and you do the continuous lending, most of the time you're enabling that person instead of helping them. And, you know, Dave talks about, Dave Ramsey talks about, um, you know, tough love sometimes is um, requiring them to go and uh, read a book or maybe sitting down with them to, Help them on a budget. Go to uh, Dave's FPU class, Financial Peace University class, versus giving them the money, and it solves a short-term issue versus a longer-term problem. So, you know, a lot of times you'll enable them versus – and it really hurts them. It does. It does, yeah. Rather than fixing the root cause of the problem, Mm -hmm. all they're doing is putting a Band-Aid on it, and they keep doing that, and it just festers and gets worse and worse and worse. Yep. So, good point. Yeah, next one here was, you know, most of these loans never pay interest, even if they are repaid. I mean, loaning money to family and friends, they, they, it costs you money in the long run, even if they do repay it. Because most likely, you're not going to charge interest if you give them a loan to a loved one. Um, you know, it, you could have invested that money that you lent to your family or, fr- or 
friend and yeah, even though even through the peer lending groups like Lending Club and Prosper, you could have received some interest. So you don't want to be in that situation again. It's going to cost you money, even if you get repaid, because you're not going to get interest. Yeah, and if you're if you're doing a loan, you know that's with the intent of having it repaid. And you know, what if you need your money? What if there comes a situation where you know you you have to have that money if you lose your job or uh, you have no income? Uh, what if you spend your entire emergency fund while searching for that new job? Uh, what if you need to put food on the table and you know there there's no repayment there? Mm-hmm. You can definitely be put in a very awkward and precarious situation there. So you know, needing yep. that money could also become a problem. Yeah, most people don't just have a lot of extra money just laying around just mm-hmm. to hand out and never get it back, right? No, so. and, and, and a lot of times when people ask for money, they – I had a guy ask me for $2,000 the other day. Did you really? Seriously. Well, from, there's from a real-life real life example. I know there we haven't go. spoken in 20 years, but do you have two grand I can borrow? Ouch. Ooh. You know, so awkward. it was. It was definitely it was right, right on course here with this article. Awkward. Yeah, I hear you. That's a good one. Yeah, the next one here, the last one on the list is you may lose or you, you probably will lose the money and the relationship. Um, you know, Shakespeare wrote, for, uh, for loan oft loses both itself and friend. Uh, if you loan money to a family or a friend, you know, beware. You you probably aren't going to get your money back, and your relationship will probably never go back to normal. Um, you know, it's going to cause tension between you and that friend probably forever. There's going to be guilt. There's going to be remorse. There's going to be anger when you don't get repaid. Even though you want to be a good person and you want your friend or family member to love you, don't loan them money if you can help it. I mean, refuse the loan gently. You know, determine the best way that you can help them um, instead of enabling them. Like we talked about earlier, help them find some assets, maybe do some budgeting, find a car they can sell or, or some asset they can sell. Maybe they need to get a part-time job. You know, maybe they can get a loan from a bank some other way or a home equity loan or something. But you don't want to be in the situation of being the banker mm-hmm. for your family or friends. I would say if you're if you're in the situation that you are able to help, um, you know, I've seen people that have given money to, to family and friends because they felt sure. led to do it, but they didn't expect the repayment. Yeah, so, and that, that relieves all the tension. It does. If you can do that, yeah. just give them a gift. That or give directly to the need. Mm-hmm. If, if there's a, you know, a, a bill or something outstanding, something that you can give directly to yeah, if you and want, help them with, and that helps yeah. focus that. If you want to pay off a student loan debt for them, great. You know, help them, and that's a one-time thing. Credit cards are another danger, yeah. though. I don't, I'd be careful about paying off their credit yeah, cards. I always like having a... Um, contingency on that you read a book and i'll do this or you go to the fpu class and you know you'll do that so have something that they have to do that'll help them long term to pay that off so that's right that's right it helps them long term yeah and i'll just close with a couple comments here from the uh the responses to this column that that ran uh here on moneycrashers.com this guy this guy writes i loaned my sister five thousand dollars in 2008 she hasn't repaid it back yet if I bring it up, she'll go through this temper tantrum. <laughs> One time I told her that she should she should be glad that I'm not a gangster because if I were, <laughs> I would have dug a hole and broke her legs. <laughs> wow. Know? 
because of her, I could see why deadbeats and some of the most uh, despised people on earth, you know, uh, just borrow money and don't repay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there are countless of these examples. You, you imagine their uh, family gatherings probably aren't real uh, positive. Probably are not real. It may not exist at all. They may not. Yeah, probably. I mean, here's another one, you know, it says, you know, yeah, the borrower repays you later in small portions or favors, but the lender never actually sees the money back. For example, you get $500 cash right out of your pocket, the borrower pays you back in little contributions such as paying for your dinner or giving you a concert ticket or paying for the full cab ride, you know, instead of paying for just half of it or, or asking you not to buy them a birthday gift, <laughs> you know. And that's so that's, true. Hey, that's my favorite one. Don't worry about that $500 birthday yeah, gift you were going to buy don't give me a birthday gift. We'll call it even, okay? You know, oh, wow. There you go. That's so, classic. Yeah, it really is. All right. Well, that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question, um, guys, I've been getting this more and more. Folks uh, are nearing retirement age. I mean, I think we see the the baby boomer generation. I think there's like 10,000 that retire every single day. That's how many people across the nation. And obviously, there's not that many in the CSRA. But, um, you know, folks are coming in and saying, you know, how do I know if I can retire? I, I want to retire, but I don't know if I can. And and the discussion always comes back to, to two exercises. The first one that you have to do is a budget. Um, if you don't know how much income you need, you won't feel comfortable making the decision. And Absolutely. A, and a lot of times people go through the budgeting process and they have ample income and they can turn their two weeks notice in the next day. You know, so that budgeting process is critical. We have, yeah. a, we have a great budget sheet that we can provide you if you're interested in that. And then the second piece is is an income plan. We call it a retirement plan, but it's looking at how much income they're going to have from Social Security, pensions, and then maybe they have 401Ks or Roth accounts that they can pull income from as well. So we put together, based on their budget, you know, where is the income going to come from? I, I really exactly. like the way you put that, John, income plan, mm-hmm. you know, instead of just retirement. Because like we, we recently talked about a lot of people, they they act like retirement is just kind of a destination. Right. And that's where it stops. But it's not. It's just a new season. Yeah, and I wouldn't oversimplify that, though. I mean, a retirement plan needs to be a sophisticated plan mm-hmm. because it's got to project 30 years in retirement. And you got to take inflation into account. So you just can't do this on the back of an envelope, folks. Yeah. I mean, you you got to have some sophistication with this. That's a great point. I mean, we do have a lot of um, a lot of detail built in there, but but the answers coming out are usually very very clear. Exactly. You can make exactly. some really good decisions on it. So if you want help in that, you know, in that question, um, which quite frankly, I would say probably ninety five percent of the people out there have that question. If you need some help, give us a call. We'll be more than happy to sit down with yeah. you. Yeah, and, and you do need to that. get some professional help with that question because it's not just about having enough income the day you retire. Yeah. It's about having enough income ten years, years yep. in retirement, and twenty years in retirement. That's a lot more complicated question, okay? So you need to run, you know, 10 scenarios. Mm-hmm. You need to look at different rates of inflation, different rates of return, different income needs. You know, what if your, your medical bills go up? So, you know, just be careful with that. Make sure you have a plan, though. That's a great, great uh, question of the week. All right, and that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or you can give us a call during regular business hours. Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages and GNUs. Stay with us. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Money MT, where money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are going to continue our show here with a new topic, and that is uh, the 10 warning signs for stocks. Um, this is an article out of CNN. Uh, they actually titled the, the the top 10, the stocks could be hitting the fan this year list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it says it's the joke on America. The joke on America. It's pretty you know. interesting here. They're trying to take a, 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 the spin off of David Letterman and the top 10 reasons here on CNN why, why stocks may be in the tank this year. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a pretty negative look. And, and um, you know, like I, like I talked about in the opening, we're, we're, we're positive. We're optimistic. Um, we understand history very, very well. No one can predict the market. So we're not trying to do that here. But we're going to go through this top ten list of negative attributes, and we're going to kind of we're going to rip it apart a little bit. But I want to start off by telling you some of the historical stuff that we see. And it's why that you, you can't look at these articles and make decisions on it. So here's some of the stats. Yep. Um, going back to uh, like 1926, large stocks in the U.S. have averaged about 10% return. All right. I think it's if you remember, there's a Great decent. Depression in there. Yeah, right, um, right. 25% down in, in 2000 or 1987. A couple other bear markets we've yeah, been through, and it's averaged. 2008. 2008. It's 58 tech bubble. Top to the bottom. It's average 10%. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Period. That's a, that's 10, a stat. 10 to 11%. I mean, if you look at last 80 years, it's 11%. But yeah, I And again, you. we're not trying to predict the future here, exactly. but these are historical facts. Um, if you look at five year rolling periods, so five year averages, um, there have been um, about 86% of those five year periods that have been positive. Hmm. There have been 95% of 10-year periods that have been positive, and there have been 100% of 20-year periods that have been positive. Exactly. I'll add okay. one to that, John. Hey, give me you know, one. And if you would have been diversified and fully stayed fully invested through the Great Depression from the bottom in June two, uh, 1932, mm-hmm. you would have fully recovered to the lofty highs of 1929 in just four and a half years. Wow. Just yeah. four and a half years. So, you know, that's the Great Depression. So the question is, who cares if the market goes through some downturn this year? Bingo. And bingo. And so, you know, we see these headlines, and that's why I wanted to talk about the headlines a little bit. Because, I mean, you look at this, and it's like, oh, goodness, what's going to happen to the stock market? Well, it could fall. I mean, but that's what stock markets do. They go down and they come back up. It's average 10% over a long period of time. So if you can have a long time horizon that's the key. And, and some people coming in our office, they may be retiring in a year. Maybe they're 62. Right. They want to retire in 63. Well, guess what? Their life expectancy is probably another 20 years. So that's that's kind of our mentality on this. So, guys, you know, David Letterman just retired, right? Yeah. Had a 33-year career. Um, I, I didn't watch him a lot. I don't know about you guys. I, I watched Jimmy Fallon a, a little bit and uh, Jay yeah. Leno. I watched him some. I like Jay Leno better. I mean, but David Letterman was so liberal. It just yeah. it kind of turned my stomach sometimes whenever gotcha. he would he would take the left wing left wing you know approach to things. Yeah. So the you know the stock market top ten here. This is in honor of the big Dave Letterman here. This is CNN's top ten. The stocks could be hitting the fan this year list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. let's take let's take this with a little humor, That's just right. like Dave Letterman did. That's okay? right. So number ten on the list is China's super slowdown. Right there, you go. Yeah, I mean it's no secret China's economy has been slowing down over the past years. I mean it had to. Gee, they were growing over ten percent a year there for a while. For thirty years, for I a looked long, up that fact. Long while. Wow. Thirty exactly. years smoking. So you know, all economies mature eventually. Okay, and and that's what's happening here with China. But it says you know the the unknown is how much more will it slide. China's central banks cutting interest rates to spur a snapback, and there's little sign of a turnaround yet. China's economy grew by only 7%. Oh, goodness. Oh, my. It's a disaster. 7% in the first quarter of 2015, the slowest pace since 2009. But I will say this, you know, and that's why emerging markets had a full correction last year. Mm -hmm. They did. They had a full correction last year. They're just now starting to recover from that. You know, the market's a leading economic indicator. That information was long yes. factored into the market oh, absolutely. back yeah. last year. Yeah, this is not new news. That is not new news. And the other thing, like you said, is 30 years at 10% growth rate, it's got to go down at some point. You can't continue to grow at 10%. It, exactly. They're maturing economy. <clears throat> So number nine here on the list is, they call it Department of Correction. And, uh, you know, it's like a bad joke where you don't get the kicker here. Uh, the stock market hasn't had a correction, and the definition of a correction is when it drops by 10% or more. It's been since 2011. Now, I'll clarify that because there have been some asset classes that have had a correction. They're talking about large U.S. stocks here. And uh, historically, going, you know, four years, three or four years is a long time without a correction. Um, so they're saying maybe this year could be the year of the correction. They might be right. It doesn't yeah, really matter. Could. On average, we have <laughs> yeah, one every year. That's right. It's happened historically pretty frequently. The reasons are always different. So don't make your investing decisions based on number nine, Department of Correction. And we've got a good here, good number eight one here. Oh, right? yeah. The Greek drama, the never-ending story, it seems like. It's like know, Groundhog Day. That's right, over in Europe there. Um, There's still widespread concern that Greece could default on its debt this year. Well, I think that was oh, a story last wow. year, wasn't Big it? Big well. That's been going on like Surprise. five years. Surprise. Yeah, uh, Greek has made, they've, they've made progressive uh, you know, progress recently, <clears throat> but it, it could still default in June, they say, which could spark uncertainty, which is the key to volatility mm-hmm. you know, in markets. So, yeah, some, some economists are saying it could be a 30 to 40% chance of default. Well, Ooh. I think is, the, markets I have, say, wow. the markets have fully discounted That's, Greece's debt. Yeah, I know. You know. I mean, that that default has been written into the market for the past five years over there. You know, economists are like weathermen. It's like, a, you know, it's a 50-50 chance. It's going to go up or go down, right? Wow, exactly. that's, a, that's a tough forecast there, right? Really? <laughs> Number seven here on the list is the strong dollar knocks out earnings. And, uh, guys, the, the dollar has lost a little bit of momentum from this year, but it's still a lot more valuable um, when compared to, to most currencies. And that's a problem for a lot of America's biggest companies. Um, you know, Recently, uh, Walmart's come out, and Coca-Cola and McDonald's have uh, said that their earnings have been hurt by the strong dollar. But can you say international? Exactly. International has has propped up a little bit this year. It's had a good year. Again, there's certain risk, and you got to understand the international markets to make sure it's right for you. But, you know, when one segment of the market is not doing well, that's why you diversify. Exactly. You just don't know, right? Nobody knows. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah. that's number seven is the, the strong dollar. They're concerned about that. Number six is uh, the Fed's um, mess up. Um, investors across the world, they're waiting. <laughs> On pins and needles for when the Federal Reserve will raise its key interest rate. Guess what? They're going to raise it. It's going to happen. It can't no be doubt. at zero forever. 
No. And so I, probably what's going to happen is people are going to freak out a little bit, and then they'll recover very, very quickly. So, um, you know, who knows when they're going to raise it, and quite frankly, I, I don't really care. It's going to happen at some point. It's been low for four or five years, and they need to increase it at some point. It's part of the market cycle. Well, the Fed increased interest rates from, you know, 2003 all the way through, like, 2005, mm-hmm. and the markets did great. Yeah. You know, if they do it slowly and it's expected, yeah, there's not a correlation markets usually it. don't react, you know. But, I mean, if it's unexpected, that's a different story. So, yeah, you can't predict based on that. You can't invest based on what the Fed's doing. Um, yeah, number five here on the list is, will somebody, anyone, grow their business? <laughs> yeah, companies aren't building up their businesses as much as they were a couple years ago. Capital expenditures measured by how much a company spends on itself, um, you know, are not are not growing like they were. They said capital expenditures have grown 2.4% in the first quarter of 2015. That's better than a year ago, but way below the 26 or 19 or 4.8% that, you know, capital expenditures grew back in 2011 through 2013, according to uh, S&P, you know, capital. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, yeah, I mean, that's because we're coming out of a recession. Um, You know, expenditures always grow very fast at the beginning of a recession, and then they 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 taper off. They slow down. That's what happens in a a market cycle. Yeah. Number four here on the list is there's some concern about the price-to-earnings ratio. Um, there, you know, there's one yardstick out there. It's called the Schiller PE index. They're saying it's at its highest point since 2007. Um, obviously, the index doesn't necessarily predict or repeat itself, but it raises some concerns. And you could look at other indexes and it not be as as high. And if you look at the international side, it may not be as high. So this is just one small segment they're looking at, and it it's just a piece of data. Is all it boils down to, right? Yeah, I, th- I think whenever uh, you look around, you you seem to always see a. <clears throat> Uh, headline about oil somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, there's oil, oil everywhere. Uh, it's bounced back after hitting its low of $43 a barrel back in March, and now it's back up to around $58 or so. However, it's still way down from $100 a barrel last year, and that hurts most energy companies and puts pressure on many of the energy-dependent economies like Russia and Saudi Arabia. The world just has uh, too much oil on the market right now, and Oil's bounce back could play a major factor in the market success or suffering this summer. Well, surprise. There's that success 50-50 again. or There's a 50-50, you know, yeah. uh, suffering. So wow. our prediction is the market will either go up or, or go, go down. down. Based on oil. Yeah. yeah right. I mean, yeah, I mean, oil is, who knows what oil is going to do, but markets actually like oil increasing in price some. So oil, you know, going back up is going to help, and it has done that some. But you never know. You don't know how the markets are even going to react. Mm-hmm. Um, is totally unpredictable. So, interesting point, though. Okay, we'll continue this list when we come back from the break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD. The money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leopard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here um, before the break about the uh, 
kind of tongue-in-cheek mm-hmm. top 10 reasons here why stocks could be hitting the fan this year. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're uh, we're we're shooting holes in this, and they're. I mean, they have some valid points in there, but to make decisions based on these reasons, we we feel is and what we see is that that's um, that's not wise. Um, you see, folks out in uh, the marketplace like Bill Gross, who's a very uh, wealthy um, uh, mutual fund manager, talk about stock markets, and he's completely wrong over the last two and a half years. And well, he's you, a bond manager too. I know, so but he, he 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 tends to drive down to want to drive down the stock market because yeah, he thinks he's invest in bonds. There's probably some ulterior motive there, but you know, you look back historically at the stock market, guys. It's averaged ten percent over you know eighty plus years. Again, we're not trying to predict the future. Um, you know, past performance doesn't guarantee future you know, results and so forth. But uh, it's been pretty consistent over 20 year rolling periods. It's never lost money. And it's in anywhere from uh, 86 up to 95% when you look at five and 10 year periods. So it's been a pretty consistent over long periods of time making these decisions. We see the Dalbar study, people that try to time the market, they underperform very routinely. So stay away from making decisions based on this. We looked at China slowing down and corrections and the greases out there and, you know, the strong dollar. There's a lot of reasons that could scare you, but um, there's some positive things as well. I've seen positive articles out there over the last couple of months. Absolutely. And so, you know, we've got 10, 10 things on here. Oil was one of them that people are concerned about. The The second one here on the list, uh, second from last, that is, is, is show me the earnings. American companies, um, they've had lukewarm earnings growth this year, strong dollar and China slowdown. Or, or culprits uh, associated with that. Um, so there's some some people that are concerned about earnings, right? Sure. And that that could earnings have slowed down. There's no doubt. Um, not as strong as they were back in 2011 and 2012, but um, they're still earning money. They're still doing relatively well, sitting on a lot of cash as well. And so the top reason, can drum roll please? <laughs> the top reason that CNN Money gave for the stocks not doing well this year is is God bless America more. Please, you know, America's economy, you know, it really isn't picking up the slack. I mean, economic growth in the first quarter was nearly flat. Um, second quarter forecast uh, looks to be less than a percent. When you look at last year, economic activity bounced off, uh, you know, after a sluggish first quarter. But, you know, a lot of economists um, do see America gaining momentum later this year, but it could be a little, little too late for 2015, guys. Well, you know. Sorry to, sorry to be the bear of bad news but <laughs> and i just heard this week as a counter argument that uh that the housing prices rose five percent in the first quarter in like the 20 largest cities mm-hmm. in the u.s so i mean there's oh, always counter information don't give you me can, that positive yeah there, you Mr. can spin Marvin. the numbers any way you want to there's always the other yeah. side of the coin and who cares diversify that's yeah. the point here diversify stay invested and for a lot of people having some bonds in there to help with the downturns and have a plan and have a budget things like that that's what we help clients with and, and talk through so exactly exactly okay real quick here though um the financial prescription of the week. prescription of the week yeah if you have kids and they're earning money, W-2 income, uh, set up Roth accounts. You've got some interesting stats here. Yeah, I mean, here you go. Do you want to help your kids have an extra quarter of a million dollars when they retire? Oh, yeah. Take you on trips. Well, then all you have to do is, (laughs) there you go, all you have to do is help them set up a Roth 
contribute $2,000 a year for three years that he wouldn't otherwise have contributed. If that grows at 10% for 40 years, guess what? It's over a quarter of a wow. million dollars extra money there in a Roth, tax-free. And if you start your kids it's at crazy. seven, I mean, that could be a lot more. Gosh, I'm just trying to figure out what I could do to get them as W-2s. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I'm not kidding. Those first few years in a Roth are huge yeah. in terms of money at retirement. Well, you guys quarter million. You guys know Doug Allen, right, who's on the radio personality on this show. He was a foot model apparently yeah, when he was famous, younger. So, wow. You know. Wow, I'm just honored to know him. Yeah, he's a he's a swell guy. <laughs> he definitely has the face for radio. So, uh, <laughs> and apparently the feet too. <laughs> he's a fun guy though. We love him. Yeah. All right. Well, that leads us up here to our last topic and that is a new ruling um Supreme Court and your 401k. Um what does it mean to us? Uh Gordon, yeah, let's, tell us. let's take a little look at this. It says, you know, the U.S. Supreme Court prescribed uh, so fixes or, you know, changes to the retirement savings world recently, but the long-term side effects could have some workers thinking uh, they've been given bad medicine. You know, a lot of times uh, they make some of these rulings, they look at things, and uh, the long-term effects aren't realized or aren't always on the surface. It's really in the details, you know. Mm-hmm. So taking a close look at that is going to be really important. The basic idea here is a simple one that it impacts all retirement savers. Workers should have access to the best fee structures available for their retirement plan. The companies providing or overseeing the plan has a responsibility to the employees to make sure that the investments, uh, the most importantly, the fee structures within those plans are the best, uh, you know, that they have available. It's a well-meaning decision that, like many other things, like we said, has good intentions but sometimes can go away, uh, especially as it impacts the workers. In the end, it could mean that a lot of workers at small businesses actually end up with no retirement option at all, you know, and Mm -hmm. that, that could be detrimental to a lot of people, especially long-term savings there, you know, and and planning for their future. Yeah, this is an interesting ruling they made. You know, this was against the, uh, this was the workers against the company Edison, the California-based utility, and what they claimed was that the retail class mutual funds that the company put them in, in their 401k, um, were not as, as they charged higher fees than the institutional class funds that were available at the time in those same funds. So they're saying they weren't cost efficient. They weren't Mm -hmm. cost efficient in the company, you know, and and so the company didn't choose the lowest cost option for them, so it wasn't the best choice for those workers. And they had some valid arguments, no doubt. I mean, the case poked holes in the six-year statute of limitations as well. Um, because ERISA is supposed to give you a six-year statute of limitations, and you know, Supreme Court said they threw that out and said, even though it was 1999, we're still going to rule in the favor of the workers here. So, uh, you know, this uh, they make some good points here. I mean, plan sponsors now have an ongoing responsibility to monitor the plan and to make sure that if something better comes along, an improved fee structure or lower cost alternative, they have to keep up with the times and and workers. Now um, can sue plan employers uh, a lot more easily, mm-hmm. and that's really not a good thing to be, good place for them to be in. Because and now a benefit to employees is turned out to be a liability, liability. for that's employers, right. which may mean they don't offer it. There's like going to be there's going to be repercussions. That's yeah. the big big news here. Yeah, no that's doubt. right. And you know the case it, it did focus on fee structures rather than investment performance, but. You know, guys, there's a good chance it's going to force plan managers to make sure they aren't hanging on to below-average options 
for too long, and it'll force regular upgrades to the options that they're offered to, to workers based on the, you know, how long they've been working and, and um, you know, how much they're investing associated with the plan. And there's no, no denying the effect that fees have had on investments, while the difference uh, of fees between half a percent and 0.25 percent look tiny on paper, it does make a difference over time. So it's something oh, that yeah. they're having to, to take a look at. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely easy to see how and why the case protects workers and retirement savers. You know, the potential problem from the ruling, uh, they're, they're much harder to see. But they're just beneath the surface now and likely uh, to come to the surface as the effect of the ruling and how it plays out. Uh, there's three three ways that we can quickly look at this and, and see how it might affect it. You know, like we mentioned earlier, small employers may decide not to even offer a plan, not to even offer a savings plan. You know, no one really wants a high-cost 401k plan, um, but getting the best available sometimes is, is pretty difficult. And a smaller size employer, they may not be in the position to to be able to afford a, a, a bigger plan, you know, uh, with higher expenses. And actually just being able to get it in place could be uh, very difficult for them. Yeah, I, I think what it <clears throat> kind of boils down to is employers are you know now have this new liability in these plans uh-huh. that if they're not offering the lowest cost alternatives, they could be sued. Um, right. You know, so they're going to be very reluctant to open the new plan, and when they do open a plan, they're going to try to find funds that they make sure there's not a lower cost alternative to. So they're going to be buying funds in the plan that may not be your best funds they're just they're just unique funds that are hard to track fund options so they'll be buying some offering you some weird funds well so they can be sure there's not a lower cost alternative and if you think about um you know some funds are are by their nature have a higher expense ratio because they're like a small cap or international funds they have a higher expense ratio because there's more manpower to to run and and you know, make those things happen. So you could be losing out on some very key asset classes. We see that in a local fund here or a local plan. Exactly. And, you know, the next the next step in this is going to be employers are going to start worrying about, well, what if the perform if the fund performs bad? If we're liable for lower cost, yeah. and what about we also are going to be liable for performance. Yeah. We picked a bad fund. Oh, oh crap. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, now they're going to sue us because the fund underperformed the market. So it's going to create a whole nother layer of liability for companies, and I think it's going to make it less likely fund uh, companies are going to offer for one K plans. It's a huge fiduciary responsibility yeah. there. That it really is. I think uh, they've opened the Pandora's box here. Mm-hmm. So scary, scary situation. Anyway, all right, but very interesting, and uh, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday from nine to ten a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us on our website, moneymd.net, where you can email us there, your questions. You can download all of our podcasts, pick us up on iTunes as well, or give us a call at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Have a great weekend. Ladies and gentlemen. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Yeah.